Jake here. Thank you for taking a trip to the past with me. The original podcast version of The Americans will be released weekly, but if you don't want to wait, then go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. You'll receive access to all of The Americans as well as early release novels, audiobooks, and other exclusive extras. That's jakebible.substack.com. Now enjoy the original podcast production of The Americans. Cheers. Warning. This podcast reading is for mature audiences only. You will not be warned again. Welcome to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans, book two in the Dead Mech Apex Trilogy. The Americans is a side quill to Dead Mech, meaning it takes place simultaneously with book one. You can listen to this novel first or start with Dead Mech. Go to jakebible.com for more information on this podcast, Dead Mech, and other fiction by Jake Bible. Enjoy. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Americans. Um, I hope you've been enjoying the series so far. It's been a hell of a lot of fun to put out there, so I am definitely digging it and having a good time. Um, let's see what else we got going on. It, once again, thanks to everybody who bought Dead Mech on the Rush, and to everybody who's currently I'm I'm selling a couple a day. Love to see a heck of a lot more. So make sure you spread the word out there. Let people know Dead Mech is available on the Kindle and on Smashwords and on Nook. So for the platform e-reader platform of your choice, you've got well. You've got Dead Mac. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, the other thing is, is for those of you who purchased Dead Mac on the Kindle um, during the chart rush, please go to the website, jakebible.com. Check out Contest of a Lifetime because you are eligible for that. So make sure you get me that receipt so um, I have proof of purchase and so I can make sure that um, you're entered. Uh, you have until the 31st, so the end of March. Uh, so come on, hurry up. Get that to me so I can draw your name out of there and you can win a Jake Bible novel for life. That's pretty sweet, I got to say. Uh, let's see, what else? We got some promos at the end. Uh, make sure you listen to those. You know, always people to support. Lots of people out there to support. Um, I've been supported through my podcasting and writing career so far. I've been supported by a lot of great people. So, you know, paying it forward, moving it along, paying some people back for all that support, helping some new people out. That's what the promos are for. So just make sure you listen. Um, I think that's that's pretty much all that's going on right now. And yeah, hopefully I'll have some more news soon, maybe next week, who knows. I got all kinds of things going on, so make sure you go to jakebible.com for more info. Oh, I do have a nice little um, roundup of the questionnaire that I put out there, so my insights and, uh, into that and what the you know readers responded about ebooks. so you could check that out. There's, of course, Friday Night Drabble Party and, you know, just all kinds of stuff, so jakebible.com is where you can find me. Follow me on Twitter. Make sure you go to Jake Bible's Wasteland. That's my fan page on Facebook, and yeah, just never miss out on a single moment of Jake Bible goodness. All right, I'm going to shut up now. No more rambling time for some of the Americans. Cheers, y'all.
Chapter 6 I don't know what to tell you, Brian sobbed. I, I can't see anything clearly. The pain shot up his arm and he bit down on his tongue, blood gushing from bete between his teeth. No scream this time, the woman asked. You may make it yet. That was your thumb, by the way. Thanks, Brian gasped. I wasn't sure. The woman laughed. Are you gaining a backbone, Brian Lisbon? Is there spunk in you after all? Spunk, Brian responded, spitting blood onto the canvas. Who the fuck uses the word spunk? A hard slap answered his question. Don't mistake my repartee for anything but mocking, the woman barked. Don't ever get cute with me. Brian sighed and let his chin fall to his chest. Take them all. Take all my fingers. Take my toes, my ears, my nipples. I, I can't control what I see. He felt the knife blade press against the back of his right ear. I will take them all, the woman whispered into his left. I'll cut you up bit by tiny bit until you can control what you see. Then, Brian Lisbon, then we will see what you are truly made of. Billy worked hard at closing the open wound, sucking at Heather's chest, but the little BC he had with him wasn't enough. I need more to work with, he shouted at Melissa. Do you see any BC around you? I can't see shit down here, Melissa shouted back, trying to peer through the gloom of the sewer. Billy stood up and reached around him, gripping anything metal he could find. Finally, he felt the pipe give and he concentrated, pulling the BC out of it. The pipe burst, spewing raw sewage onto his face and chest. Oh, for fuck's sake, he cried out, but didn't bother wiping it away as he knelt next to Heather and started to apply the BC to her wound, but stopped. What the holy fuck? The gaping wound in Heather's chest began to close itself up tight. Billy watched in the gloom as the wound seemed to rebuild itself, spiraling closed until there was nothing but soft, fresh, pink flesh. How? How? Melissa stammered from behind. I don't fucking know. Billy whispered. Heather shot bolt upright, her lungs gasping for air. She started to flail, swinging wildly, and Billy had to grab her arms to keep her from striking him. Heather! Heather, stop! he yelled. Heather twisted away and vomited. Massive amounts of black-red chunks and liquid spewed from her mouth. Help me up, she said weakly when she was done heaving. Billy lifted her to her feet and helped her stabilize while she found balance. Okay, I'm, I'm fine she said after a moment, patting Billy on the arm. Thanks. Can anyone tell me what just happened? Melissa asked. That wasn't a BC patch job. That was something else. Heather looked from Melissa to Billy. What happened? I'll explain what I saw, Billy responded. But first, can we get out of this shit tunnel? Sure. And how do you propose we do that? Billy started pulling at every single pipe around him, willing all the BC there was to his hands. They all were be soon being sprayed from all sides by drainage waste, toilet waste, and water. The sludge at their feet began to rise, and the current became quite strong. I'm the vehicle guy, remember? Billy said as he fashioned a small raft from the BC he could gather. He lifted Beth onto it and then helped Heather in also. Soon the force of all the flows was so strong Billy and Melissa had to grip the back of the raft to keep it from being swept away. He looked at her and smiled. Not enough room for us on the raft. Guess we'll just have to hang on and get dragged along. I fucking hate you, 
Melissa growled as she and Billy both gripped the raft with all their strength, lifted their feet, and held on for dear life as the makeshift boat began to rocket along down the sewage tunnel. Mr. Stone left the pub and surveyed the street. Too many witnesses, Reggie, he said casually. I think we need to clean up a bit. Maybe pin it on the jacks, Reg Reginald suggested. Not really any working security in Sin Circle to contradict us. My thoughts exactly, Mr. Stone smiled. The denizens of Sin Circle were used to violence and brutality, but none had seen any as swift and thorough as what Mr. Stone ordered. Scab growers and junkies alike were cut down in a blaze of automatic fire, the LOMSD troopers' BC weapons barking death every way they turned. Whores and their pimps were brutally beaten and clubbed, their brains and blood leaking into the dirty, trash-filled streets. The unfortunate children of the Circle's residents were not spared, their life flowing and mixing with their parents in the gutters, their tiny, helpless bodies crushed under BC boots, the life extinguished from their scared, pleading eyes. Reginald watched with delight. It was better than anything the Hollows could dream up, and he savored every brutal, gory moment. General? Stevens asked. Colonel Masterson is here. Send him in, Stevens, General Fitzroy said, rubbing his face and setting yet another sheet of dataplast containing bad news down. Blue Masterson entered the general's office and executed a quick salute. Colonel Masterson reporting as requested, sir. Fitzroy nodded to Stevens and waited for the corporal to leave before speaking. Took you long enough to get your ass up here, Fitzroy said. Put your goddamn hand down and tell me what the fuck is going on. Blue relaxed and grinned broadly. I don't have a clue as to what you're talking about, sir. General Fitzroy crossed the room and opened a small cabinet. He pulled out an unlabeled bottle and two glasses. Bourbon? Sir, bourbon hasn't been available for nearly 400 years, Blue said. How could you possibly get a hold of some? Just because we're cousins and part of the same family combat unit way back when doesn't mean I'll tell you all my secrets, Fitzroy smiled, pointing to the chair in front of his desk. But I am pulling rank and demanding you tell me all of yours. Blue sighed and thought for a moment, taking the offered seat. It's really going to hell, isn't it? Yes, Blue, it is. The general agreed, handing Blue a generously filled glass. I know you play the instructor around here for appearances, but you're going to have to be straight with me. I need to know what is going on and how much worse it's going to get. Blue took a long pull from his glass. It'll get worse, sir. But if what I think will happen does happen, then we won't be beholden to the LOM or any of the Articles of Sanctuary anymore. Fitzroy waited. Can you elaborate? Blue scratched at himself unceremoniously, and Fitzroy frowned. Sorry, been out on the grounds all day keeping the skills sharp. Skivvies are riding up, Blue smiled. He took another drink, buying himself some time before answering. I don't know if I can elaborate, but let's just say there are a few pieces in play right now that should yield results soon. One of those pieces Heather Walton? Fitzroy asked. You know it is, Blue answered quickly. The first piece is already in place and waiting. The second piece doesn't even know it's playing, and that's best for everyone. You know where all these pieces are? Fitzroy asked. Blue nodded. You going to tell me? Blue shook his head. I don't like this, Blue, General Fitzroy frowned. 
You've kept me privy to every single operation until this one. I know about Heather because I authorized that. But this other stuff, how does it fit with her? What Heather has is tangible and real, Blue replied. A simple snatch and grab. I think it was a little more complicated than that, Blue, Fitzroy said, but Blue waved him off. Of course it was. But the other pieces aren't as tangible. They can't be held in a vault for safekeeping. They are way more important than that. It's why I had to go outside usual channels. The unregistered American, Elizabeth Laughlin, that was you. Are you telling me we actually have a working vessel in the field right now? Once again, sir, I haven't a clue what you're going on about. Corporal Stevens burst into the office, his face flushed. General, I have the Prime Minister on the line again. Sweet Jesus, the general complained. What does she want now? I'm not sure, but she's yelling about Sin Circle. Stevens turned the holocast back on. You need to watch this before talking to her. I'll stall for you. Good man, Corporal. The Corporal left the office, leaving Blue and the General to watch the events unfolding on the hollow. This is Valerie Adams with HBC News reporting live from St. Titus Circle, commonly known as Sin Circle, an area of the city known for its rampant prostitution and scab dealing, Valerie said into the hollow. But this evening, real devastation and horror has come to the circle. The hollow camera pulled back, revealing buildings and vehicles set ablaze. Bodies lay broken and bleeding on the ground while LOMSD troopers milled about, weapons at the ready. This evening, the violence that we have been tracking all day came to a head here in this unfortunate area of London. Valerie looked off screen and began waving someone over. We are fortunate again to speak with Agent Abel Stone. Mr. Stone, can you tell us what happened here? What caused this destruction? And is it true it's related to the murders at Gramercy Secondary? Well, Valerie, Mr. Stone began, unfortunately it is true that the Gramercy murders and the slaughter that has occurred here this evening are related. We received a tip from one of your loyal viewers that Elizabeth Laughlin was spotted here in the circle, probably to get a fix for the scab addiction she is afflicted with, and we acted immediately. Mr. Stone's face fell and he rubbed at his temples. Unfortunately, we were too late when we got here and they slipped through our fingers, but not before laying waste to these poor citizens. We imagine a scab deal went horribly wrong and the violence was taken to the streets and all these good citizens paid the price. You said they, Mr. Stone? Does this Elizabeth Laughlin have accomplices? Yes, she does, Valerie. We were lucky to get positive IDs on the others with her. I believe my assistant has given your tech folks their hollows. Immediately, the images of Beth, Melissa, Billy, and finally Heather filled the holocast. Isn't that last person the woman sought for the break-in at an LOMSD facility earlier today? I'm not at liberty to comment on that, Valerie, but as soon as I have confirmation, I will let you know. Thank you, Mr. Stone. Of course. Once again, if any of your viewers see these people, please have them contact our hotline right away. Do not try to engage them in any way. They are extremely dangerous, Mr. Stone said. Now, if you will excuse me, I have a lot of work to do. Understandable. Thank you for speaking with us, Valerie said, turning fully forward. I will be following this story as it unfolds, and we will make sure all of the HBC viewing audience gets up to the minute information as it comes in. This is Valerie Adams for HBC News. Good God, General Fitzroy said. Was that Billy Brenton? What the fuck does he have to do with any of this? That scab head has been blacklisted for years. Blue grunted, then stood up. Sir, 
You have a very pissed off Prime Minister to deal with, and I have a clusterfuck of an operation to rein in, if you will excuse me. Whoa there, Fitzroy growled. You're not off the hook that easy, Colonel. On or off the books, ghost operations still report to me. Have a seat. You're not going anywhere. The general downed the last of the bourbon in his glass and activated his comm. Prime Minister, I just... Yes, I understand. Now hold on one goddamn minute there. This is an American base and according to the Articles of Sanctuary... No, I will not lower my voice or change my tone, you stupid fucking cow. This is my base and I will not hand it over to the King of England or the King of fucking heaven for that matter. Blue knew everything had just gone from really fucking bad to incredibly fucking worse and smiled while he sipped his bourbon. It was just the way he liked things. God damn it, Stone! Director Gein shouted over the comm. You didn't have to kill, Turner! Mr. Stone grinned as Reginald drove the mag skiff out of Sin Circle and towards the Thames. I didn't kill him, sir, Mr. Stone responded. He wanted to take point, probably to prove something. Those damn jacks cut him down. It's a real tragedy. He chose to take point? He chose to take point? Something like that. Director Gein fought for control of himself, and Mr. Stone's grin widened as he heard the man struggle to keep his voice even. Where are you going now, Stone? I'd order you back here, but you'll just ignore that order. I'd order you to accomplish your original assignment, but it appears you've already flushed out your target. Plus, there are other forces at work now concerning the American base. Other forces, sir? Anything I need to know about? Mr. Stone asked, honestly curious. You don't need to know shit, Stone! Gein roared. Just get that fucking ghost and what she took and get your ass back here. Yes, sir. That's been my plan all along. Well, good to know you are following some type of plan. And stay off the fucking hollows! You are not authorized to give interviews! Director Gein disconnected, leaving Mr. Stone wondering. They don't need us at the base anymore, Reginald. Really? I guess this has gotten much bigger than the two of us now, Reginald replied. You're probably right, Mr. Stone said. We are strictly on a capture-kill mission now, plus recovery of whatever that jack bitch stole. My favorite kind of assignment, Reginald smiled. Mine too, Reggie. How much further? We should be at the sewage treatment plant soon. Just a few more minutes. Mr. Stone sighed and leaned back in his seat, his eyes closing. I need to clear my head for a moment. Wake me if I nod off. Of course, Mr. Stone, of course. I have the Royal Guard coming to assume control of my base, Blue. You care to tell me what the fuck is going on now? General Fitzroy growled, helping himself to a lot more bourbon. It would be better if you didn't know, sir, Blue answered. The fact I let you in on Heather Walton's plan was more out of courtesy. The rest, well, you don't want your feet in that shit. Heather's plan... You didn't tell me crap all about that, except that she was going in deep and it might mean a dust-up with LOMSD, Fitzroy said, sitting heavily at his desk. I think we've passed the dust-up phase, don't you? Even more reason for you to know as little as possible, Blue insisted. General Fitzroy set his drink aside and leaned forward on his desk. Colonel Masterson, I am now giving you a direct order to fill me in completely. Every single piece of the puzzle. You know I can't do that, sir, Blue said, standing up. Some things are bigger than you or me. You told me that yourself a long time ago when you put me in charge of ghost operations. Sit down, Blue, 
Fitzroy said. You aren't leaving this office until I get something. Sir, with all due respect, Blue began, but General Fitzroy's eyes became very hard and cold as he pulled his 9mm from his top drawer and set it on the desk. Respect has nothing to do with this, Blue, Fitzroy said calmly, his hand resting casually on the pistol. I will shoot you in the fucking leg if you don't start talking. Blue looked from the general's eyes to the pistol and back. You're actually going to do it, aren't you? Yep. Blue hesitated, thinking the situation through. Where in the leg? The general grinned. Does it matter? Blue returned to his chair. Okay. I'll tell you one thing. Fitzroy began to protest, but Blue held up his hand. I can't tell you more, sir. If this gets any worse, which it probably will, I have certain safeguards in place. You're just going to have to trust me. Agreed? The general studied Blue's face for a long time, saying nothing. Sir, are we in agreement? Blue asked. Fine, Blue, General Fitzroy sighed. I trust you. What can you tell me? The LOM has obtained tech that could possibly match our ghost abilities, sir. Full integration and control of BC? Is that even possible without American genetic coding? The general asked in alarm. They are forbidden to even try to do that under the Articles of Sanctuary. Yeah, well, those articles are flying out the window right now, Blue laughed, and mainly because of this tech. This is what Heather has? Yes, sir. And what is this tech, Blue? I don't know the scientific specifics, Blue said, rubbing at his face, the day, the weeks, the years, catching up with him. But it's some type of nanotech, different than the BC molecular computing, more autonomous, potentially more deadly. Great. So basically the fate of the Americans' place in this world is in the hands of Heather Walton? Well, I wouldn't say place, Blue began, but waved off the general as he started to ask another question. But our survival certainly is in her hands. If she can pull this off, then I think our future, at least, will be solidified. Fitzroy locked eyes with Blue, and the two men stayed that way for some time. Melissa stood there, fuming in the dark, as the puddle of human waste at her feet grew with each drip and drop coming off her ruined clothes. I fucking hate you, Billy. Go jump in the Thames. That'll get you rinsed off, Billy said as he helped Heather to her feet. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine, Heather said weakly, but certainly sounding better than she did before they all started their nasty journey through the sewage tunnel. She looked down at herself and the state she was in. At least the shit covers the blood. She reached around and took off the case, carefully inspecting it for damage. The BC it was made out of was programmed to seal instantly should the case be breached. As far as Heather could tell, it had done its job. You gonna let us know what's in there? Billy asked, eyeing the case. Nope, Heather answered curtly. I was supposed to take this to Suffolk BOP, but now that I've been compromised, I need to get this out of the kingdom. Billy lifted Beth from the raft and set her gently on the ground. Where are you thinking of going? Tibet. Beth whispered. What did she say? Heather asked. I, I couldn't hear her. I think she said Tibet, Billy said. She's out of it. Where are you thinking of going? Tibet, Beth whispered again, then came fully awake, thrashing about, kicking Billy in the back of the legs and knocking him off his feet. Hey, fucking watch it, he yelled. Heather knelt next to Beth. Why Tibet? Beth blinked several times, not comprehending the question. What? What? Tibet? Billy was asking me where I was going, and you kept answering Tibet. Why? I said that? I, I don't remember saying that at all. Yes, you said that. Why? 
Think hard. Beth's brow furrowed, and she looked as if she was in great pain. It, it seems right? Does that make sense? I can actually see Tibet in my mind, like a full-blown hollow. She shook her head, trying to clear the image. I, I don't think I've ever even seen a hollow of Tibet, not even in school. What does this mean? I don't know why you would see that, Heather said suspiciously. Tibet is my backup in case this whole operation gets blown to shit, which it has. They couldn't have thought of a closer location as a backup, Billy sneered. Hey, how about instead of just a few kilometers down the road, we send you thousands of kilometers away through every very unfriendly territory and realistically get you killed before you get there? How's that work? I've been to Tibet quite a few times, actually, without a scratch, Heather said with confidence. The confidence was quickly replaced by pain as she was doubled over with a racking, wet cough. You okay? Billy asked with concern. Heather fell to her hands and knees and heaved up glob after sticky glob of thick red-black liquid. Oh my god, Beth said. She needs a doctor. I'll be fine, Heather croaked, wiping her mouth, the heaving over. The BC is just repairing the damage that bullet did. I'm lucky to even be breathing. So, Tibet then, Billy said, clapping his hands together. With the noise we've all made on this side of the channel, I don't think just getting out of the kingdom is going to keep us safe. The LOMSD will be waiting for us on the other side, and there's a lot of country to cover to get to Tibet. Billy turned and watched Melissa pull herself from the Thames and onto shore, her clothes not really clean, but no longer coated in filth. And with the condition you are in, plus the girls, the roads aren't any option, really. Heather sighed. Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Billy nodded. Amsterdam? Melissa asked, wringing water from her hair. What's in Amsterdam? Not what, but who, Heather said. Someone completely off everyone's radar, and that has a special gift that can get us to Tibet. Melissa stared at Heather for a moment. Tibet? Wait, what? I thought you just said Amsterdam. The fuck did I miss? Just got a ping on their location, Reginald said. Huh? Mr. Stone opened his bleary eyes. They aren't at the plant? Nope. Looks like they came out of a drain pipe two miles north of the plant, Reginald replied. We'll be there in less than two minutes. Mr. Stone rubbed his eyes and sat upright. He reached into his pocket and pulled out his pistol. Three magazines, matrix bullets, fine powder, he said. After a moment, there was a beep and Stone retrieved the magazines from a compartment in the dashboard. Need anything, Reginald? Nope, I already have my L9 set to go in the boot, Reginald answered. I figured I'd take a sniper position once we get there since these jacks like to run. That's a fine idea, Reggie, Mr. Stone nodded. Just don't hit me. Mr. Stone, you insult me, Reginald cried. Just taking the piss, Reginald, Mr. Stone smiled. been listening to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans. This novel and recording are protected under whatever latest greatest Creative Commons license is out there currently. Share this all you want. Just don't even try to make a buck off it without the express permission of the author, me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please go to jakebible.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast production of The Americans. Don't want to wait each week for a new episode? Go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. Want more audiobooks? Go to jakebible.com for info and access to dozens of Jake Bible fiction audiobooks and ebooks. Cheers.